Bibles to Isaiah 6. Oh, a surprise, I didn't change it on you. And if you haven't heard, Dale Rose passed away this afternoon about 4.30. And if you didn't know that, uh, that's uh, Brother Larry's brother and Carol Knight's brother. And so be praying for the family and uh, they'll need it. Um, Liz, what are you doing way back there? I guess you got here because she didn't want me to tell everybody that. Everybody look at her so she'll turn red. Well, yeah, I'm not going to comment on that. No, Matthew came up to get his puppy. Hooray! And uh, so he was visiting, and so she came later. But she's here. Yay, Lizzie. Let's get to reading before I uh, get myself in worse trouble. Isaiah chapter 6, Verse 1, I'm preaching this tonight because Elizabeth said this is her favorite sermon. I don't know how why, but she thinks this is her favorite sermon, and so we're doing it, okay? And Isaiah starts off, and Isaiah is in the temple. And notice what he says. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. And... Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it. And he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a beautiful day today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for allowing us to come together and worship you because you alone are worthy of our worship. And Lord, uh, in all the business of the day and all the business of our lives, we pray that you would speak to us from your word, that you would answer our prayers, and we will give you the glory that you deserve. As you do this for us, Lord, uh, we'll praise your holy name. And, Father, we'll leave this place saying it was good to be in God's house today. And, Father, I ask that for those that are so faithful and they're here all the time, that you give them the joy of their salvation in Christ's name. Amen. We talk a lot about worship, and worship means a lot of different things to different people. But you need to understand, worshiping God happens around our 
globe. It happens in many different situations in many different ways. And on any given Sunday, we could ask people to clarify worship. But I think there should be three things in our worship that show up here in Isaiah's call experience. Isaiah has had an unsettling event. Good King Uzziah has died. He sees trouble on the horizon. He goes to God's temple uh, probably to get some solace, to get some peace, to be reassured by God that he's still in control even though Uzziah has died and left the scene. More than likely, he's upset wondering if the nation will backslide again. After having a good king, will another evil king arise? All these things are clouding his heart in his judgment. And God gives him a vision and he worships there. And you see, we need to understand that our worship uh, should lead us to commitment and service. Our worship should lead us to commitment and service. And so... How do we experience that? Uh, there's two or three ways that we do that. In verses 1 through 4, I see the low. Okay, the low. And read those again with me in verses 1 through 4. The low. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. In the low, here is what is going on. First of all, Isaiah, in his worship experience, saw God as he really is. And when we come together, we should focus on God and catch a glimpse of his glory. We should catch a glimpse of who God, our God, really is. See, some folks want to only worship God when things are going well, when God is doing things for them, when they've experienced God's blessings. But we need to understand that that is not our lot. We are the kind that worship God because he is God. And so what did he see when he saw God as he really is? First of all, he saw God high and lifted up sitting on his throne. And in our worship services, we should be praying every time we gather together that Jesus is lifted up in our midst. Because Jesus said when he was lifted up, he would draw men and women, boys and girls, unto himself. When he is lifted up in our worship, people can't get over it. You see, they can argue a lot with us about who God is and what God does and how they think it. But when God is lifted up, when Jesus is magnified in our worship, everything else in the world sort of flies away. You'll notice in this worship that he quits worrying about the king having died. You'll notice in this worship he didn't wonder what was going to happen in the future. God, because he was high and lifted up, drew his attention. When we come together, the cares of the world can flow away when God is magnified, when God is high and lifted up. Then he said his train, his robe, his royal robe, fill the temple. Another way of saying that would be this. When God is present, everything else is pushed out. 
When God is present, you can feel God's presence. You may describe it as goosebumps. You may describe it as something else. But you need to understand, when God is present, you know God is here and with you. And he pushes those things out that keep us from worshiping him when his train fills us, when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us. Then he said, above God's throne were the seraphim. The seraphim are an order of angels. Their very name means the burning ones. They burn to look at. They burn because they reflect God's glory. And he said, with two they covered their face because God is so holy, holy, holy. With two they covered their feet. Modesty. With two they flew. And as they flew back and forth, they sang God's presence or praises about his holiness. They sang, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. All the earth is filled with his glory. Anytime in the Old Testament and the New, when you see that it's emphasized, something's emphasized three times, it means that's the most. Does that make sense? It means that's to the extreme. And we need to remember when we come together, there's nothing wrong with knowing that Jesus is our friend. He said a friend lays down his life, and he did that for us. But we always need to remember that even though he's our friend, he's still holy, holy, holy. And it should inspire awe in our hearts and in our lives. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then it said that as the seraphim cried out, I see Isaiah there. And he must have been near the door. Maybe he snuck into the back part of the temple as he's worshiping. And the doorpost started resonating. Holy, 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 shaking is the Lord our God. And the smoke filled the temple. You see, in the Old Testament, smoke often signified the presence of God. And it signified that his judgment was coming. That he was near. And I don't know about you, but if this room were to fill with smoke, there'd be a little bit of panic with us, and rightly so. If this room would fill with smoke, our eyes would water. It would catch our breath. So you get the experience that Isaiah is having. God is so near, it's taking his breath away. God is so near that he is starting to weep. And my question for me is, are we magnifying God in our worship? In our private worship, and I'm magnifying God. And am I letting his spirit push everything else out of the way so he can talk to me, not just me talking to him? Am I at wonder that God would take the time to be present with me? Does it cause my heart to swell in such a way that the tears flow in my private worship or in our public worship? And I thought... How long has it been since we cried in a worship service? You see, we need to see God high and lifted up. Because when he is high and lifted up, that brings us low. 
in the proper form of worship. You need to understand that this was not an ordinary experience for Isaiah or Jewish people. The Jewish people held their arms up and their hands up when they worshiped God and when they prayed. Now, part of it is to show no weapons. Part of it is to show there's nothing here, God, clean hands and a pure heart. Part of it is, Lord, I'm opening myself up to you because in that day, to hold up like this is the same way when somebody gets arrested, they hold their hands up. They can get you, they can shoot you, they can stab you, and they're saying to God, I am open to you. Are we open to God? What He wants of us? What He wants to do for us and with us? The low. I think true worship experiences at some point have a little taste of that in them. Whether it's your private worship or your public worship. And the second thing I see is in verses 5 through 7. It's the woe. Low, woe, and go are going to be the things, okay? Look at verses 5 through 7. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he has taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. <laughs> the woe. You see, not only did God, Isaiah see God as he really was, at this point, God, Isaiah sees himself as he really was. You see, there's that moment in worship where we see ourselves as God sees us. And that can be a scary thing. He knows our sin. He knows our hearts. He knows our motives. He knows our thoughts. And he still loves us. And he sees us as his children. Oh, what an awesome thing. And a scary thing. And so he saw himself as he really was. And his sinfulness comes into full focus. Woe is me. That is, that is funeral language. We don't say that a lot but in our day. But in that day, they would have the funeral service. And they even in Jesus' day, you remember they pay professional mourners that we see Jesus encountering it. Like Jairus' daughter, the little girl who supposedly died. And said, oh, she's just asleep. And they laughed him to scorn. And he put everybody out of the house. They would come in and say, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. An awful thing has happened to this family. And it is an awful thing to lose a loved one. You see, he's not worried about here and there. Woe is me. I'm undone. Because I'm a man of sinful lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of sinful lips. You see, didn't Jesus say that out of the heart we speak? When your heart's wicked, you speak wicked things. And that's what Isaiah is saying here. You see, he stood without excuses before a holy God. And his sin comes into full focus. I've said it before and I'll keep saying it. 
at the moment you get over being saved, you're in trouble. Think of what it cost Jesus to come and save us. And God's not lucky to have us. We're lucky to have him. The conference that uh, Brother Galen took us to, one of the things that stood out at me, I don't remember which one said it, but he said it this way. You know, we believe that Jesus is the only way to God, and he is. But do we handle that? In my way! <laughs> Your way's wrong. Or are we just glad there is a way to hold? That, that's a difference. And if that doesn't give you some goosebumps, then maybe you're losing a little bit of your woe. Because when we come into the presence of a holy God, we see him as he really is. We see ourselves as we really are. And we realize, I am undone. For I've seen the Lord of hosts. We catch that vision of him. But not only that, Isaiah experiences God's forgiveness. I think that, and maybe I left this off of point one, but you see, in his vision of God, Isaiah is humbled. That's why I tell us all the time, you can't come into the presence of Jesus Christ and not be changed. You're either changed for the better or for the bitter. You're either made softer or you're made harder. When we worship and we experience God's presence, you know, it, it, it might be the joy of the Lord is my strength. It might be, whoa, I'm undone. But you're not going to be the same. I'm not going to be the same. And as we worship, people catch that. Why do we worship together as uh, families with little kids in here? They bother me. They don't bother me a bit. They're learning to worship from you, so don't be grumpy. I have to remind myself of that too, okay? But you see, they learn to worship, and we worship as families, and that's, that's important. It doesn't matter if they're little bitty or if they're teenagers. That's important. But you see, it was the woe. <laughs> but what's so wonderful about this passage, he says, Whoa, I'm undone. I'm going to die. I'm a sinner. And I'm in the presence of a holy, holy God. And then maybe he peeks up a little bit. Maybe he hears the wings of the seraphim coming. I don't know. But I know he looked up because he said, Then one of the burning ones, the seraphim, Flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, a hot coal off the altar, which he had taken from the tongs. You see, the altar had tongs to turn the, the sacrifices, to stir the fire. And evidently, he had used that, and Isaiah had saw him fly over there and grab that thing and place it in his hand and Put it down. It didn't burn the angel because he was in the presence of God all the time. Now, why does that so excite me so? 
Because then he says, and he flew to me. And he placed it on my lips. That's bound to be painful. It's a lot worse than burning your mouth on a hot cup of coffee. Or soup. This has touched your lips. This has touched your lips. Your iniquity. That means all kinds of vile, wild growing sin is taken away. Your sin is purged. It's out. You now stand before God forgiven. You see, the seraphim acted on God's will. God didn't want to leave us as we were when we see him. He didn't want to leave us in sin. You see, the very reason that Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden wasn't just because they might eat of the tree of life and live forever. That was God's original plan for us to live forever. He didn't forbid us from eating that. It was so he would not leave us forever in an unregenerate, unsaved state. That's God's love. And here he is. Providing forgiveness for Isaiah in his holy presence. Whoa! That's good news. That takes care of your woe. If you haven't accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you should experience woe. See, it's sort of like this. Isaiah saw himself as he was. He didn't see himself as a servant of God, a prophet of God. He saw himself as God saw him. It's sort of like this. Now, you're probably not like your pastor. I, I, I tend to view myself the way I did several years ago. When I look in a mirror, I don't really notice, you know. Until I see it in a picture or a video. Who is that old fat wrinkled guy? Oh, no, that's me. The truth shows up. Because it's a different look. A different side. It's not my mind playing tricks on me. Still telling me I'm not that old. It's the truth. Because you know my mind tells me all the time. You can do it. You can do it. And my body says. Are you listening to that fool again? When we come into the presence of God. Do we really see ourselves the way God sees us? I'm not saying he doesn't look at us now. And see, forgiven sinners, because he does, if we've accepted Christ. He sees the blood. He becomes our propitiation, our covering. He sees the son whom he loves has shed his blood for us, and we've accepted the work of Christ. But I think that there's still a little bit of that woe. Why would Jesus have died for me? And the only answer is his grace, his love. Is un- I just don't understand it. I can't get over it, and I hope I never do. Because I was not in any way worthy. The third thing is in verse 8, the go. So we have the low, the woe, and the go. You will remember that, I hope. Because verse 8 is pretty funny. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, here, here's how I think of this last part. Then I said, Here am I, send me. But I don't say, Here am I, send me. I see uh, that old show. Some of you older ones remember, but the younger ones won't. Welcome back, Carter. And 
Bowitz or what's his name, you know, the goofy guy, and he goes, ooh, 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 Mr. Carter, ooh, 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 ooh. And he said, ooh, 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 God, me, here I am, me, ooh, 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 I'll go. Because he's overwhelmed. You see, God has a question. Who's going to go? Whom shall I send? It's still God's question. See, there's some point at worship that we realized that we made a commitment to Jesus and it's time to serve. If you don't serve, you're missing out on blessings. Is it work? Yes. Can it be difficult? Yes. But it's wonderful. Because what we do for others blesses us more than it does them. It's sort of selfish. We hog that for ourselves, but it's the truth. I want you to think about it. You may receive some criticism, but it's okay. I don't have to please everybody. I just have to try to please God, and that's what I would tell you. Do I want to please others? Yes. But you see, Isaiah's answer should be our answer. Here am I. Send me. The word here am I means, again, here am I. I'm here. Send me. And, and it amazed me. Isaiah didn't say, what do you have in mind? How long is this for? What do I have to do? He didn't know all the plan. He just said, God, I've experienced you. I've experienced your forgiveness. If you need me, here I am. Is that what we do or do we, eh, like Jonah, run away or like Moses, make excuses, send somebody else, you know. You see, if we're not careful and we use, lose the woe and the low, we lose the joy of our salvation and we don't go. And our service, instead of being joyful, becomes a drudgery. And we need to be careful of that. You see, it prepares us to serve, our worship does. It leads us to commitment. It means actively participating in worshiping a holy God, but it means in serving in his kingdom. Jesus came through preaching. The kingdom of God is near. And he called those to serve with him and those that would follow. Nothing's changed. In all this time, the kingdom of God is nearer than it ever has been. And he still calls us to worship, commitment, and service. Are we going to answer God's call? Yes. Here am I. Send me. Or nope. Somebody else's turn. Nope. Don't want to do that. Nope. Not going to do that. you bow your heads and close your eyes we need to examine ourselves in our worship experiences we need to ask where am I on this chart am I at the woe the low the go or somewhere in between have I refused one of these stages in my worship and that's why I'm having trouble hearing from God Some need to come and accept Christ as Lord and Savior tonight. Some need to come in rededication 
of your lives to him. Some need to come to join the church by baptism, letter statements, how we receive members. Some need to come honestly because the world has so burdened you, you feel like you can't go on. And you need to leave the burdens right here at God's altar. I don't know what you have, but I'm hoping that your worship is active and living just like our God is active and living. Father, this is your time. It's holy time, not because we are here, not because we're in this building. It's holy time because you are here. And Father, help us all to look to you when we worship. Help us all to obey you as we worship. Help us all to experience these things in worship. And when we leave this place, help us have the joy of our salvation so that people look at our faces and wonder what's happened in our lives. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.